Knock, knock, guess who is knocking at your door? That's right, you know it's the morning for sure. Might be a geoff, it could be, maybe it's Mitt Romney. Hey, hey, hey! It's This Week in Mormons. Lovely to have all of you with us today and always. I am Jeff Openshaw, your intrepid host. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and whatever you're listening on. Make sure you're a regular repeat listener. And give us a visit at thisweekinmormons.com where you can not only listen to the show or other shows, you can also read some of our, our news coverage, some of our original blog content, and all sorts of lovely things. Uh, so we thank you for doing that in advance. So we're thrilled to be joined today by none other than esteemed comedian, actor, I don't know exactly which gender pronouns we're using nowadays for these sorts of things, but either way, uh, Haley Smith of Show Ops is here with us. Hi, Haley. Hi, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. Thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing great. So happy to be here. Thank you. Um, just just to quiz you, do you know where you are in that? Do you know what show you're on right now? I want to see if you actually... Oh, I it's something with something about this week <laughs> and Mormons. I've, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with the group. The, that. <laughs> Uh, do do you remember that you were actually on this show once four years ago? I do remember that. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it was good times had by had by all with a few technical difficulties. We, we, we did have a lot of technical difficulties. That was uh so four years ago, Haley was on here as well with Lisa Valentine Clark. They starred in the lovely film Once I Was a Beehive. Some of you might have seen that. I think nowadays, I think it's streaming on like Living Scriptures or something like that. Nowadays. Oh, it is. <laughs> Well, I think great. so. Yeah. yeah, I know. It might even be on Amazon. It might even be on Amazon Prime. Prime's got a yes. random assortment of LDS related films mm-hmm. too. But yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And as you referenced, yes, we had all kinds of fun technical difficulties. I actually reviewed the episode before we talked today and it cracked me up how much stuff we left in there that was just a disaster. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hold on. It says Lisa popped in here. Oh, Lisa? Lisa? Hello? <laughs> Hi, I'm here. It's oh, I just was fixing it for mom. Oh my goodness! We had to plug in the laptop, uh, a keyboard into the laptop for some reason because it won't let me okay. go on my phone or my well, iPad. Technology is hard. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dawn. Appreciate you. Sorry, you guys, to waste. <laughs> well, it's okay. Now we only have you know like five minutes started. left. It's going to be great, but. Uh... <laughs> no. We'll just have to make sure Lisa's doing okay. We did just dive in, and we heard the voice of what sounded like an unenthusiastic teenage boy. <laughs> my 19-year-old son. Oh, good for you. That's a fun age. I was a delight when oh, I was 19. Wait, I'm sorry. I was told this was all about me. <laughs> well, it was when Lisa... <laughs> what, 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 I would actually prefer that, to be honest. I mean... Hi, Lisa. Hi guys. Hi. Well, yeah. When Lisa was bailing, Haley and I decided to have a therapy session where we would out all of her grievances from perpetually living in Lisa's shadow. <laughs> um, <laughs> not true. Not true. Lies. Well, if you say so. I I have 
no judgments on this matter, but I think you two might need to work some things out <laughs> offline. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we work them out on the stage. It's cool. Uh, anyway, so sorry, everyone. This is also Lisa Valentine Clark, who was slated to join us, then had problems, so it was going to be just me and Haley, and now Lisa's here. So we've got two people from show off. Sorry about that. I apologize. nothing to apologize for. It's fine. It's I don't have my life together. Let's just say that. That's the easiest way to <laughs> describe it. I mean, technology's hard. You know, uh, it's okay. But thanks for being here. You know, I'm, I'm sorry for any struggles you had getting on, and. Uh, but, Thank we you are for having me. Glad you're here regardless. Uh, Haley and I were just talking about what program this is because she didn't <laughs> know. So this is This Week in Mormons, in case anybody is not clear about this. And you've both been on here before, four years ago, where we gave it was a while. where we gave your film, Once I Was a Beehive, the twin bump. And I am certain that the movie netted, let's see, of its $732,000 domestic oh, wow. gross, I believe at least $10,000 of that came from this program. That's what Oh, I'm well, thinking. thank you. Thank you for that. I, I yeah. we appreciate. I that. have no data yeah. to back that up. I'm no just... kidding. But in the <laughs> era of fake news, we're just gonna go with it, though. Uh, yeah. Hey. So the... no one, yeah, no one about science anymore, so it doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> um, well, real quick, so thinking about once I was a beehive, we're, we're not gonna dwell on that a ton or anything. But you know, we spoke to you before I think it was even released, at probably the, a week or two beforehand. So how did that pan out for you guys? I think it seemed like it did pretty well and had a good representation in its in its desired market but I mean, like how was that for you guys how was the the denouement of once i was a beehive uh, yeah well i mean as far as like it actually was considered a box office success for an independent film so there's that aspect but more importantly for me um just the reaction my favorite part is just to hear when like i get to talk to these young girls about how it impacted them or we got some messages from people in other countries. I remember reading one from a guy who said, I don't even know where he was from, but his, he kind of wrote in broken English, well, I, I didn't really know anything about Jesus, but then I watched this movie about this girl and her dog, and now I'm going to find Christ. And it was just like, okay, yeah, this grown man. I'm wow. like, well, okay, I guess you never know when you put something out there for, you know, LDS teenagers, what's going to happen. So that was kind of, that kind of stuff is my favorite stuff to hear. I think that um, to add to that, there's no question that that we, all of us who were part of creating it um, are proud of it. You know, sure. like that, that we look back on making it and, and what a small budget we had and how, you know, the glamour of making a movie, which is the, the reality is, is you're cleaning the trailer out the day after the film shooting. And no, really. And you're hosing are, it. Down. Are you trying to say there were no craft services at this production? That- no. Uh, <laughs> our friends <laughs> did craft services. It was all hands on deck and it was early mornings and late nights. And, and to, to, to look back at that experience, we're all super, super proud of it and happy about it. And I think that we created something special that, that can last um, and that was different and that, that had an impact in a lot of different ways. And, and, and we're really happy about it. We'd love to do something like that again. 
And not to mention the fact that the title is now extra poignant with once I was a beehive now that there are no beehives. Yeah, are you going to, whenever you do the like the 4K remaster, you're just going to have to rename it once I was a member of the women class? <laughs> once I was what? an 11 to 13 year old girl in an LDS ward. <laughs> yeah. Well, you group. Oh, yes. Latter day Saint Ward, Haley. Latter day Saint Ward. Oh, yes. And, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Be careful. It's a really long time. Oh, it's a fun era we live in. We get asked a lot, of course, um, why we're still this week in Mormons, given the the current climate. And my oh, sure. my, my answer is typically um, once LDS Living changes its name, then I'll consider it. Oh, yeah. Because the church owns LDS Living. So I'm not knocking anybody. But if a church-owned institution isn't changing, I feel okay with who I am for now. That's my excuse right. to be stubborn. So LDS is not legit. We can't use LDS. I, I, I don't think so. I think it's supposed oh. to be the whole, not Mormon or LDS. You're supposed to spell out Latter-day Saint as much as you can. Okay. But here's the thing. and Here's my nerdy English major, former English teacher self coming out. No one owns the English language. And so... You know, if if you use a word that ha- is culturally and historically appropriate or used in a positive way, you it's fine. I think, um, Lisa. <laughs> I just want to remind you. I believe you are an employee of BYU, <laughs> and <laughs> there's there's some kind of mantra. It's called "Follow they, the Prophet." They knew what like I that. was when they picked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't get wrapped up too much in the culture war stuff, but it is actually, um, I'm not trying to make this about me or my program, but how many people have contacted us since then? And like in a mean way, and it's like, why aren't you guys changing your name? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's your faith? Who, What's wrong with you guys? Who has time to or do like, that? <laughs> I don't understand. Haley, I've been telling you this for years. Some people have time to get into other people's business. We don't oh. know how. That's none of their business. They feel like it's their job. It's a, it's this crazy, crazy thing that yeah. we, we will not, never understand. Yeah, I mean, the internet has given us all sorts of time to just raise hell in all kinds of ways. I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. nuts. That's really how it is. So I'm I'm glad that you are working in a a positive, happy promoting environment in general because we kind of need a lot more of that in media and on the internet uh, nowadays with just how much just just awfulness there is around every turn. Well, thanks for saying that because I really feel that way. I feel that if whatever you're looking for, you will find oh, yeah. it on the internet, right? For sure. But I do feel like it's it's horribly unbalanced and that there aren't a lot of positive, helpful resources to go to. Um, <laughs> and, and so yeah, we show off. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Right. Well, it's true. Enter, oh, yeah, well, of course, yeah. show on BYU Radio, show off on BYU TV. I mean, we really, though, in our heart of hearts, are trying to do that. It's not just like, oh, whatever, it's a job, it's a paycheck. It's not that at all. It's it's we want to bring good to the world. We want you to be able to, we want to improve your lives in real ways. And we think you can do that in in entertainment, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's part of BYU TV, of course, has evolved significantly in terms of its mission over the past handful of years. You know, I mean, they're they're trying, they've sponsored so many new programs. They're not chasing an overtly LDS audience, even if it still espouses those values, of course. Uh, No, because there's so many people who are looking for good things. Why would we ever limit our audience? 
That's a fair point. I would assume the physical. And I don't, and I don't like that whole us versus them thing yeah. to me. To me, as as a member uh, and as a Christian, that that never sat well with me. Yeah. And how do you feel like, like show offs, for example? How do you feel that's bridging a gap between us versus them, especially in the if it's in the religious sphere or social sphere? Well, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions still about members of the church. I feel like growing up in Nebraska, um, which was a, a very religious community, there, I saw that. And I also was friends with a lot of really, really great people of different faiths who didn't care um, and who wanted to learn you know, more about the church, not necessarily for conversion, just but because we had a lot in common. And, and when I do something like show-offs, and, and I, I'm excited to say to my friends who are raising kids as well and saying, hey, this is something that you can watch with your kids and you're both going to laugh and you're not going to cringe. They know what I'm talking about. It's Sometimes we speak as if Mormons are the only ones who are looking for wholesome. And, and that word certainly ha- has somehow gotten a negative connotation as being dumb or childish or something like that. But I mean wholesome in the in in the truest sense of it, of that it is full bodied and it is interesting and it is just purely funny. Something so being able to sit down and and, and watch with kids of different ages and ha- make you all laugh. I mean, it's really quite rare, and and we're seeing it uh, with show offs and with uh, BY at BYU TV and BYU Radio as well, because people are responding to it. They're not saying, "Oh, is this a Mormon thing or a non-Mormon thing?" It has nothing to do with that. It, it's looking for good. Yeah, and we also don't approach any of the improv or comedy that we've ever done from a religious standpoint. It's just that's just the nature of who we are. We all, I mean, most of us have kids. We've been working together for years. That's just the kind of content that we like to create. We just like to do stuff that anyone can access and it's more of a challenge really um to have those parameters. And so that's why I feel like it's it's accessible for everyone of all ages because we're not even trying to make it for one audience it is for everyone yeah. would you and we're inviting other people you know we're inviting people from hollywood to come in and do it too and they're responding as well you know we've got will forte coming on will forte for coming Christmas. on yeah, I, don't know how you're, I don't know how you're going to keep him clean but congratulations on that noble effort no, here's the thing. it's it's so much easier than people yeah. think um because people they want to do it they know it's a little bit more difficult but they know it's more clever and they know that we're going to we're going to support them the whole way you know you you bring in a celebrity guest like Will Forte you sit him down and he's like okay so what is this i you know we, we talk about improv we talk about who are the you people? format of the show why am i in utah what <laughs> yeah, is this? Really. Well, and he knows some of us from from other projects and things like that and and we say listen this is for families, uh, you can't swear. You can't use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, we're keeping it clean. And they say, okay, no one, none of our celebrity guests have pushed back. Nobody has complained. And nobody has, has failed at it either. They And afterwards, um, you know, the response is so great. That was so much fun. That's so cool. Um, that was That was different than anything that I've ever done. It doesn't become, I think sometimes our discussions focus on um, if something's clean or not, that we forget that the real discussion is, is something good. 
you know, and, and you can have that without the emphasis on it being clean. You just set the parameters like a game because that's what improv is. And then you play. And do you feel like, uh, you know, for both of you that, that, that draw to something good, is that what's sort of drawn you more towards, and I'm not going to say into a Latter-day Saint market, like a, but a good market, one BYU TV's market, um, as opposed to, I hate the expression, but as opposed to trying to like go Hollywood, for example, is that the draw that keeps you focused in this area? That's a really good question. And and I'm going to be honest, it's very, it's a lot more complicated of a question than, um, for, for me and for Haley than you might think because of our life choices, which are, um, influenced by our religion. Of course, Haley and I have made some very, very specific choices that, exclude us from having the quote unquote time and energy <laughs> to try to make it in Hollywood, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And hey, mm-hmm. can speak to that a little bit better than I can because I get really worked up. And then <laughs> I get really <laughs> mad about um you know how we don't support women enough in our anyway, in our world. But here we okay, go. Okay, let's let Haley talk about it then so you don't have a coronary. Yeah. That would be good. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I talk about it all the time. I mean, when, when we, we both got married, I mean, relatively young for the world, you know, and started our families and that's what we wanted to do. And that's what we felt good about doing. And, um, other friends of ours did go to LA and did you know, pursue that. And sometimes it was hard to not feel like left behind or feel like, Oh, I'm just, you know, changing diapers. Awesome for them, you know? And so, but then flash forward and our kids are, you you know, mostly, well, all teenagers and we've been able to have these opportunities. And for me, it's just the ultimate dream job because not only am I able to, um, feel comfortable, like being away from my family just because of the situation that we're in to do these shows. Um, I also get to work with my best friends doing what we love to do and what we've done for almost 20 years together. And um, I don't have to be nervous. I don't have to have to distrust who I'm working with. I don't have to worry about being put in an awkward position that I'll feel uncomfortable about. Um, Everyone just respects each other and, and we just have the ultimate uh, bond of trust. And, and so for me, I have no regrets about how I did it and how I got to this point in my career that I'm at. But I do agree that it's it's different. It looks different for everyone. And, and it's hard. It's hard when you're trying to have kids and, and be there for your kids, but you also are an artist. <laughs> it's hard. I imagine. How does it... Um... Being women, women in comedy is difficult, no matter the audience. Um, is it even what? What unique challenges do you face being women in comedy as Latter Day Saint women in comedy, if any? Well, I feel that um, because we're still talking about women in comedy and not just comedians, yeah. that we still have a really long way to go, and 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 it's not so, a question that like men ever get. Um, I also feel like. Uh, because of that, it informs the way that that even we respond to to things that women do. Um, I still think we have a, a long way to go in that in that regard. Um, I think the only way that it 
it, it changes um, as, as a person of faith and certainly as a Latter-day Saint are the certain standards, you know, the things you joke about, things you don't joke about. Um, I think with comedians, especially in today's culture, it, like there is nothing off limits, right? Like yeah. everyone's trying to sort of push every, every limit. And as a Latter-day Saint, there are, a, a, there's a hundred percent some things that I would never, sacred things I would never joke about uh, because of my faith. And it seems to me too, that we have a certain level of respect for some religions and, and not for all. And I think that in this moment of time, uh, Mormons are a, an easy target and it's easy to make fun of their religious um, traditions and beliefs and culture. Uh, and I'm not saying that we're precious snowflakes and that we can't take a joke. I think we're too good at taking a joke. And I, I, I think having a little, because there's, there's things that if, if I heard a joke and especially when I go on Twitter and read people making fun of my faith, um, I think, Ooh, substitute that word for Catholic, substitute that word for Jew, substitute that word for Muslim. Would that still be funny? You know, and I just think that those are important questions that we should ask ourselves. So when I approach comedy, I try to be respectful um, of all people. There's still a, uh, there's still so much material out there without without having to be mean about it. Yeah, I mean, imagine I can't imagine another faith like the Book of Mormon musical, for example. I, I can't imagine oh, I, there cannot be a musical Quran. lampooning the Quran. The New Testament, yeah. the musical? Can you imagine? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't I mean, it? probably the closest we got to New Testament, the musical would be like Life of Brian for Monty Python or something like right, that. But right. uh, yeah, you bring up. And I'm not saying that we should have those. That's my point. It's like, hey, you know, like, can't we keep some things in our culture, in our society, um, sacred? That's that's the question I'm asking. But I, I I think to ask to address your earlier question about being a woman in comedy and things like that. I think that that. Being a woman, being a Latter-day Saint, being a mom, all these different layers, it gives you just different filters to see the world more specifically, right? To to be able to um, make comedy in a more specific way, which is which is funny. The ironic thing is a lot of people in our position, in, in the position uh, in life that Haley and I are in, don't have the time <laughs> to, to be, uh, you know, to do all these things. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. You know, to come out of a comedy club or to be making a lot of new TV shows or movies and things like that. It, that's that's the that's the irony of it. Well, and and we have both paid our dues, quite frankly, in a lot of uh, boys clubs. I would say, <laughs> um, coming up in comedy in Provo just was for both of us in the early two thousands was mostly men, and so we did have to have to get in there and make sure that we were heard. Cause I know when I first started back in comedy sports in 2002, I was always somebody's girlfriend or wife and they decided who I was and when I would talk and it was hard. It was what once they knew that I knew what I was doing and they could all of a sudden I was allowed, allowed <laughs> to be on equal footing with them. You, it, it's not, easy. And I think it's changed for the better, um, mostly. Um, but yeah, we still have a ways to go. And, and, uh, my experience was similar in college when I was in the Garrett's comedy troupe. I mean, I was literally the only female in the troupe for two years. 
So it was never balanced or equal. Um, uh, but I had a great time. I had a great experience and I wouldn't categorize anyone that I was, I just, it, it was, a, <laughs> I sound so old. It was a different time. Uh, George Bush was president. I, anything went. I, I, <laughs> life made sense. It was order. No. Um, and, but I have seen it change in a lot of positive way, a positive ways. I'll never forget the phone call that I got from, from Haley, um, and McLean Nelson when they called and they said, okay, we want to start a long form comedy troupe where it's equal men and women and it's, it's long form and we're making plays and they're smart and, uh, it's kind of experimental. Are you in? And I was like, oh my gosh, a hundred percent am I in? And and for those who aren't aware, McLean and Jake are your co-stars on the show. And I, I believe, didn't McLean also direct Once I Was a Beehive? So you guys all go back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jake was a producer on Once I Was a Beehive. And McLean and Jake played the Nerdy Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that now. Yeah. By the way, Jake's personal website, which I happened upon, is exciting, to say the least, if you haven't Googled his personal website. It has a beautiful picture of him. Jake Van Wagner is a comedic pleasure yes. for us all. Beautiful picture really? of him without a shirt. It's quite quite exciting. Oh, um, I'm surprised whenever I yeah. see him in a, pic- in a shirt, in a picture, so... <laughs> <laughs> The man is just <laughs> running around the Provo studio shirtless all the Anything time. for a laugh, that one. No, he's a he's a good kid. He's he's um he's a that's great right. comedian. The thing that's the most unnerving about him, and I I love you, Jake Van Wagner, is that in real life he is always like in control and collected and calm and serious. And then he gets on stage and he's just like this these wacky characters, and it's I don't, it's just funny. It's such a transformation. It's, I, I feel like audiences would think that he's like how he is on stage all the time, but he is not. <laughs> but he's not as happy as his kids are though. That's the yeah. secret. <laughs> you kind of alluded to something about the long form format of the show. And I do want, like, if nobody's familiar with show offs, you guys are in your second season right now. It's airing at least right now, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think if anybody saw, oh, yeah, there's this improv comedy show on BYU TV, and naturally I think the first reference people think of is that it's a Who's Line mm-hmm. copy, more or less. But it's not really that. I mean, of course, it's improv comedy. No, no, But like no. Lisa said, it's long form. It's a lot yeah. different. So why don't you guys explain the actual premise and the way show-offs mm-hmm. actually works? Because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, we've been wanting to do long form um, improv on kind of on this more public platform for a while. The the question was always just how do we keep the audience engaged and keep them knowing that it is improv and not scripted? And so that's why for show-offs, we brought in our host, Casey Jost. And he kind of, is, so we do these long-form stories and plays and musicals, but we have Casey and he kind of inserts himself whenever he feels the need. And the way he describes it is he he says he watches as, the audience, and he kind of just yeah. um, inserts what he would lo- most like to see as an audience member. And so he'll just do like a quick short form game, like a like a giving someone a line they have to say, or changing their accent, or uh, making them do a song in a certain genre. So that's how he kind of keeps it in that short form world. But we're still we still have the overall story with the character arcs and the beginning, middle and end and everything. So it's kind of a fun way to combine both of them and keep the audience on their toes and engaged. 
So how do you go about this? Um, let's say I've never seen it before. How, how do you create a play? Okay, so the show starts out where we have three vignettes. So everyone's in teams. There's six people on stage. The four of us um, the, who are the uh, the permanent men members, McLean, Jake, Haley, and myself, and then two guest stars, sometimes a celebrity, sometimes a, a, a well-known improv actor from LA, Chicago, New York, Florida, wherever. And so the audience votes what genre they want to see the most, then they'll do a little vignette. So they'll get a, a suggestion, say that it's that it's fantasy, you know, like a Lord of the Rings or something, they'll get a suggestion. And then we'll do a little scene. And then the audience votes again for the what's the other genre that they want to see, maybe it's Western. And so then that team of two, will do a little scene with a suggestion. And then then we'll do a third one. Um, out of a different genre. And then the audience votes, well, which one do you want to see? They have the little remote control uh, voting machines in the audience. Whichever one gets the high, the most votes, then that's the one we do. We go backstage, we hurry, get into hair and makeup, costumes, change the scenery. And then we get out and, and we're all dressed um, up really great. It's really, that's a kind of a fun element of it because sometimes we're, we, you know, we don't really know what the hair and makeup people are really going to do to us uh, until we get into the chair backstage, we get on uh, stage and we get just a couple of suggestions, like maybe the name of the musical, if it's the genre golden age musical, or if it's, uh, if it's a uh, sci-fi, maybe, a uh, a problem, uh, that is plaguing the universe or whatever it is. And we get it. And then we go and we just start, um, whoever starts on stage, anyone just walks out. We don't plan it ahead of time and starts a scene. Uh, we all listen from the sidelines and then it's our job then to add, uh, to whatever has been placed down. I mean, it is classic. Yes. Anding classic, <laughs> you know, improv it, we're constantly being interrupted by the host who will throw a wrench into the works and say, no, actually, instead of this, I want you to make a new choice, make a new choice, uh, you know, until he's satisfied with it or, um, you know, throw something into it. And we know then by listening and watching and by the years and years of improv that we've done, that we're going to need um, to all come together uh, to make a great story, to make a beginning, middle, and end, and to be able to, you know, wrap up what that protagonist wanted, uh, you know, uh, in some unusual way, we'll see what happens. And and it's just so exciting. And it's the most fun, because we really don't know yeah, where and it will go. In addition to that, we also have this amazing band, this four-piece band, that they completely improvise all of the music except for the theme song that's pre-planned but they will just start playing a song and and Kendra she's this musical prodigy and she just will kind of tell the rest of the band you know oh let's do like a little you know 1950s doo-wop number here you know she kind of tells I mean they don't they haven't practiced or rehearsed it but they're all such skilled musicians that they just kind of all start playing in sync and that part blows my mind every time that they create these amazing songs. I mean, we have to try to kind of rise to the level of their artistry and come up with somewhat coherent lyrics. Well, and that and that's what's tough. I mean, improv in general is, you have to be quick on your feet, but if you're doing songs at the same time, that takes yeah. it to a whole other level. I I would like to tell one story about our friend Will Forte when he was there. He um after our, one of our rehearsals, he pulled me aside and he said he said I, he said, I just, when the music starts playing, I just don't know what to do. Like, it's so scary. Like, what do you, how do you think of words to say? And um, 
this will, I guess, kind of be an Easter egg for the Christmas special that he's doing. But I said, well, sometimes I just kind of, you know, if while I'm thinking of words, I just kind of go, ooh, or la, 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 (laughs) you know, start singing something. And um, he definitely took that advice to heart at one point in the Christmas special. And it was hilarious to watch. But it is, it is, it is a little bit intimidating at times when that music starts playing and you're like, oh, okay, here I go. Sorry, I was just going to say, you just have to jump in. There's no time to think. There really isn't. And so that it's just like what comes out, you just know that everyone on, is, on stage, is, their job is to support you and to validate whatever comes out of your mouth, which is- One in particular that I loved was the musical about sandwiches. <laughs> and um, oh, yeah. <laughs> particularly near the end when they decided to make it about peanut, comma, butter, comma- uh-huh. And jelly sandwiches. Because as that sequence is going on, I was like, oh, I hope there's like a tag at the end when someone gets upset by somebody saying peanut butter sandwiches and somebody jumps in and says like, no, no, peanut (laughs) butter. And then they delivered that. And I was like, thank you. This is everything. As a... As a writer by profession, I was just thrilled to see someone bothered. All I needed was someone to mention the Oxford comma in song and I would have... (laughs) Right? What's funny with watching those is... I never remember what happens. And that was one instance where as I was watching it, I was like, I didn't even remember that that's what that, I didn't even, Sean Johnson, one of, who sang that song about peanut butter, he's kind of an amazing improv lyricist. He really does come up uh-huh. with such great lyrics so quickly. And so it is fun to watch back and catch things that you did not notice when you were up there and, and just, I yeah, sometimes I am in awe of my fellow <laughs> performers, what they come up with. It's really fun. Also fascinating on that episode, McLean with his wig on uh, is the spitting image of Jonathan, oh of, um, what's his name? Not Jonathan Reese. Now I'm blanking on his name. The guy who was on The Americans. No, oh, Matthew Reese. Oh, yes. 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 The whole episode, I was like, dude, I'm just watching Matthew <laughs> Reese right now. This is weird. This is Oh, cool. my gosh. <laughs> speaking of, really add something that we didn't we underestimated oh, when the we wig. pitched the show right like the wigs the wigs we love so the wigs. much I think everyone oh, is wigged so every episode in seasons two and three because we that's kind of half the fun loved it so much that's one of my favorite surprises <laughs> so the show can you tell me are there is, is there like a toughest scene or sequence or play that comes to mind of all the ones you've done so far some of the ones when you were just standing there giving it your all but you just you didn't. I mean, I know you don't always know where you're going yeah. from minute to minute. That's half the fun. But if are there some that you look back on, you said, "Man, <laughs> I don't know how he pulled that one off." Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I I feel that that we that sometimes when you invite someone to come on stage, right? Uh, and I'm I'm being purposefully yeah. vague. Who is maybe not comfortable with improv or hasn't done it that you just want them to be comfortable and to trust you. And whenever they just like keep trying to do something or, or, or you sense that panic from them. Yeah. That's that. I think sometimes those moments where I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. You know, you're doing the opposite, you know, just take a deep breath. It's we're going to, we're all in this together. It's okay. Instead of having them, they just feel like they need to shoot out a bazillion things uh, in, in hope that something will stick. It's, to, to me, those are the moments where I just, I wish we could just pause the show and just Take say, deep breath. <laughs> we're going to breathe and then we're going to start the scene again, you know, <laughs> but of course you, you don't have the time to do that. Yeah. yeah. I'd say, yeah, definitely that sometimes the guests, they, sometimes they'll be like during rehearsal, 
they're just like everything's going great. And then once those lights come on, you get the audience and you're like, whoa, did a different person come in? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're all very fun, lovely people, love all of them. But yeah, we definitely sometimes have to, um, I don't know, just be patient and try to listen and guide people. And yeah, but everyone is game for it. And that's what matters. You coax it. You coax it out. I try. I'm fascinated to see that uh, John Reese Davies has been on the program. Uh-huh. And th- oh, when I wow. saw this one, because I think that episode, by the time we published this, it'll have aired already. But um, I-, I think that's a good example. I don't know him to be an improvisational comedian or actor by trade, but perhaps I just don't know his body of work. Or was this a poll where you just got like a more or less dramatic actor who's capable no, of comedy yeah. and you ju- and you just dropped him in or does he have a great improv background and it was a natural fit that one I just see that well one he that. told us that the last time he did improv was 50 years ago at RADA okay. the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts and um and we were like yeah you're good I know <laughs> but I mean working with him I mean the whole day, I just kept looking over at Lisa, like, "Is this really happening? Like, what?" <laughs> and then he would say like, things like, Thank you "For being here, yeah, exactly." And he would say, "I, I know," he would say things like, "Well, the other day I was speaking with my friend Ian, and I'm just like your friend Ian. You can't, like who can just say that?" And he's referring to like what Ian McKellen or something. Yes. <laughs> it was just surreal, but I mean, he could not have been more lovely. And just more, just willing to play, and just all—all all of our guests have been that way. All of them, none of them have been difficult to work with, or rude, or inconsiderate. I mean, they're all just so humble and so wonderful. And we just want to keep doing that. We just want to invite other people to say, "Hey, listen, like this is." fun. Come and play with us and create that. And that's, I think, an exciting part that I would like to explore more and show offs of just, you know, who will come and play with us. And everybody, we we guarantee we're going to make you, you know, feel comfortable on stage. We're going to have a fun time. It's, you're never going to be able to, to, to plan it. It's, it's really freeing that way. Um, and, and I just, and tell all your friends, tell all Lisa, this sounds like you're trying to get us to take LSD. That's what <laughs> it's my version of it. It's my, I know, right. My, my church version. Uh, it's all I have, you know, improv. <laughs> yes. Well, and the truth, well, I ho- the truth is we do get a lot of no's because I think people are mostly oh, okay. afraid of improv or Im- improv improv comedy they it's too scary i mean because yeah yeah it's it, it can be scary if you don't have a lot of experience doing it. and then plus doing it you know on like filmed in front of everyone is it's a lot but um yeah so it's really fun. yeah how does that uh how does that process work i mean is, do your showrunners just start have do you have lists of people and you all collaborate and then the showrunners just try to go out and get them or yeah, it's all hands on deck we're all just trying to call and contact who we know and how we know them and pitch it. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun process and, and, um, and frustrating and, and yeah, cause we're like, Hey, who knows? So-and-so how can we get a hold of, Hey, do you know anyone who may know who may have worked with, you know, yeah. so that they know that this is a legit real thing that we're asking, yeah. you know, and it's not just that uh-huh. hey, come to my show. Yeah. Well, I think you should work really hard to get Richard Dutcher on. I think. Oh my goodness! 
Oh, you can has get... he done improv before? <laughs> I don't think so. I just, just want to see what yeah. happens when you... Um, I don't... I, I, I mean... I worked, on a couple, I worked with them on a movie. Oh. You did? I did. So my husband was in Britain. City. Oh, Brigham's and my next okay. movie was helping me with this computer. He was the the baby at the end of the movie, and so I, I auditioned I for him for a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I <laughs> this is very unprofessional. I don't know if the network would approve. I don't know. I don't know. Just that's true, and I, and I imagine that's got to be an interesting process too. I mean, the network has sorry, to approve people. Sorry, Richard, if you're listening. But <laughs> well, at the same time, like for example, you got but you got someone like Will Forte, who's a good, nice guy, but his body of work might suggest that he's not necessarily on brand. But that doesn't matter in this circumstance, you know. You're, you're... Uh, yeah, I think it depends on the level of star. I don't know. I I wasn't oh. involved in all the okay. casting, but so, so then <laughs> I do know there were some names that came up that were like, oh yeah, for sure. And I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> okay, so he needs to so be more. Yeah. You're saying that Richard is not famous enough, so we should go with our backup, Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I would die. Oh, I love him. Um, yeah, exactly. Just just like that. <laughs> I mean, other than I'm always curious about the technical aspects of productions. Um, other than I imagine there's a little bit of of lag time in between when you choose what the play is gonna be and you go and get hair and makeup and everything for it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that's not as instantaneous as we see it, you know, when it's yeah. broadcast. Um, but other than that, is the show pretty much in real time or are there sequences that wind up being cut into what we actually see on no, TV? It's, 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 it's in real time. We film a show. Uh, we don't stop and then get a, you know, uh, unless there's like a costume malfunction or something like that. Now, when they yeah, yeah. raw footage, just depending on timing, they do edit the show, so some scenes may be taken out or things like that that were in the live sure, show. Sure. Uh, uh, most of time, uh, it's just a timing issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then those changeovers—they're uh, counting us down. They're counting down the minutes they're backstage. So we're trying to hit like under twenty minutes every time. So between fifteen to twenty minutes. That's impressive. Well, yeah, because it, it's yeah. especially when you're not when you're not driven by actual commercial breaks no. you know that's usually yeah. what dictates live sh- shows of that nature you're just you're just trying to power through to keep it fresh and we want to yeah. keep that 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 live audience engaged too we don't want them to forget about what our suggestion was or you know that sort of energy that you, you that you get in a live show and doing theater you know so yeah, and they're having fun out there. The band is doing karaoke with them and dance contests and Casey and Trent are playing games with them. So they they have the audiences have a fabulous time. So it's really fun. Now, um I I, I haven't seen what the full spread is, but what do you think the ratio is on the various of the genres that wind up being the the, the mm-hmm. chosen play? Um is there a dominant one? that you found so far in, in three seasons There's of film? There's definitely some that, that we noticed that most audiences like go, oh yeah, you know, for like the initial uh, genres in the beginning that they vote for, like people love romantic comedy, which kind of surprised me. I don't know why. And Westerns um, voted. I think Western was yes, almost like every vignette in season two. <laughs> and they're like, just everyone wants to see the Western. And then, but then it only got picked. Well, we just did one this last week, but so yeah, it is funny, but usually if there's like, if one of the opening scenes has a song in it, people really like that. And so yeah, those tend to be ones that get picked more. 
And do you think that's because, I mean, obviously the, the broadcast audience is diverse, but I'm assuming a lot of your in-house audience is Latter-day Saint, just given the location of filming? I think that's safe. Uh, I would, yeah. I would guess. So do you feel like Mormons have a strange proclivity for musicals yeah. is what yeah. I'm getting at. Do you think that that affects yeah. the voting in a sense? Yeah, and I also do think that it, it feels more impressive to have you sing lines than just to say them. Yeah. I think it's just like yeah. level of difficulty. If you're able to rhyme a word, um, you know, to music people. Yeah, that seems really impressive. So I don't know. It's interesting. And here's the thing. We, we're up for whatever we just, you know, and we just want the audience to have a good time and we can make any genre into a musical. Uh, uh, so yeah. And then Casey will, Casey will do whatever he wants. So he'll put, he'll stick a rap in the middle of a Shakespeare as we've seen. Um, so (laughs) And the thing that the audience doesn't always vote for some of the ones that are our favorites. So when they do, we get thrilled. Like the 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 masterpieces genre or the Shakespeare are not as popular with the audience or they don't seem to vote for those as much. I, for one, those are some of my favorite ones to do. I love seeing them. Um, what do you love so much about those? Well, I mean, we both love Shakespeare. I will. I'll do it. I mean, we, yeah. we, this is what we've studied. This is what we know. You know, when we were doing long form, uh, the thrillionaires for long form, we were doing like Oscar mm-hmm. Wilde night or Tennessee William, or, uh, you know, okay. you know, like we, we were getting, we were diving deep. We, we, our favorite when we were doing the thrillionaires was, um, film noir. And we, we just, these are things that just because we're interested in them, like personally, we've really <laughs> dived deep into them. And so, um, so that, that's kind of fun t- to be able to do that. You know, it, it is funny to go back. We have like a few DVDs of some of our early days of doing these long form shows. And like, I was watching one that was a Western and we were so serious. <laughs> like we were so like committed to the genre and keeping it authentic. It's really kind of funny just to watch it in that regard because you know, now we know a little bit more that, okay, we also have to make it accessible <laughs> to our audiences and, you know, like the kids and everyone, we can't just be these, you know, p- elitist, like genre purists. So it's kind of funny. Well, I have an unusual background. I, you know, I studied English. I was a high school English teacher and did improv uh, just, you know, kind of on the side and then studied it. And then that became like my love. Uh, and, uh, so I think that that is just so so interesting where you think that you're going to go in one direction, but I, I do feel like the more uh, life experience that you have and the more life experience that you own, the better that you are in improv. So I could say a lot of philosophical things about that, but, but it's been, been a really great, like a, a huge, huge gift to have been able to, um, to have a, have a great improv career. I mean, it's just really one of the highlights of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that. I, I, my background is at BYU. I may, I got my BFA in acting. And so, yeah, I did a lot of very serious theater. Didn't really know didn't do a ton of comedy and then found improv when I had to take a class 
my senior year in college and just fell in love with it immediately and actually was taught improv approaching it from a place of truth and not trying to be funny just just telling stories and being truthful because that's where we find comedy right and it's yeah. when we are trying to be wacky or funny it doesn't always resonate with people and so um i'm really yeah just glad that i started out on improv started out doing improv kind of from that approach and so I just always love, I love long form because you can create these characters that feel real, even if they're in wacky, you know, scenarios or wacky costumes, you can kind of have this foundation of people that you might, someone you might actually know in real life that you could create this arc, this believable arc for them. And is that where you two met? Did you meet at BYU or elsewhere? Um, we met through, actually through Lisa's husband, Christopher Clark, um, the amazing director extraordinaire. Um, I did a few shows with Chris and then, um, Lisa and I started watching TV together <laughs> and we bonded. <laughs> we, we fell in love over our uh -huh. mutual, mutual love and appreciation. <laughs> so you were TV. watching. Yeah. Uh, alias and alias lost. And uh -huh. lost. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Lots of lens flares, lots of lens flares mm -hmm. and uh, MacGuffins. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, and back then, little did we know, we were just doing research yeah. for our of future job. Yeah. But I mean, it is really true because yeah. you have yeah. to have watched and consumed a lot of entertainment in order to turn around and put it out there and know what people That's expect. true. Yeah, that's a good, that, that, that's a good point. It is You're a not valid well point. In all this stuff. <laughs> no, it really is. It, I, I imagine if- you, I really do think that everything, yeah, you consume, the books you read, the plays you see, the TV you watch, the movies, it's all stored in there, right? And, and it, you never know what aspect of it'll come out, but- but I mean, they do have done studies that as if you, if you want to be um, a better writer, you should be reading, you know, and, and I think that that you can connect that to a lot of different art forms. And so we've spent spent some time doing that for sure. Especially as we were researching other genres as well, you know, our background in the Thrillionaires, you know, if we had we knew we were having a film noir a uh, show coming up or an Oscar Wilde um, show coming up in a week or two, then we would give each other assignments of plays to read, books to read, movies to watch, um, uh, different kinds of, of, of historical research to do so that we would all just consume it so it would be somewhere rattling around in our It books. makes sense. I mean, that's why I have been speaking more snobbishly because I've been binge watching Frasier. So <gasps> oh, I love Frasier. Oh, I need to watch that again. There you go. So it's, good. I figure it'll be on Netflix. It's going to be on Netflix probably until I don't know when. I know NBC's dropping their own streaming service called Peacock. Oh. <laughs> so they just went for it with that one. Um, so it might be on there. The glory days of streaming are behind. Yeah, I that, know. That's a, another no topic. more one-stop shopping. Did Did you actually, I don't know if you saw this, today the uh, Herald, the Her Provo Herald, the Herald Extra, whatever it is in Utah, um, released a study that showed based on Google searching for Disney plus interest and Utah by far led the nation in Disney plus Google queries. Cause that is who we are. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. If you grew up in Utah, then it's like, I don't think you know of other places to go on vacation except for Disneyland. Like, it wasn't like that for me in the Midwest. You know, I don't know what it is. But boy, we are 
Disney. It's it's a weird phenomenon. But I I mean I you know what's what's funny care. is I never allowed my children to watch the Disney Channel when they were kids um, because I didn't find the shows on there funny, and so I I had them watching like Adventure Time and uh, like things that I thought were actually legitimately enhancing their comedic education. <laughs> And so sometimes they're like, thank you, mom. And sometimes they're like, mom, I, I don't know some of these shows, these Disney shows that everybody knows. I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It goes over well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think overall they're, they're grateful. There. I'll have I'll have to get a list from you guys. I'm still we're still in the uh, wild Kratz Daniel Tiger phase with most. Oh, of the kids, so yeah, oh, got it. you got a long way to go. Got <laughs> Thank speed. you. Thank you very much. Wild Kratz is one of the greatest programs ever made, though. If you haven't had the privilege, it's, yeah, uh, no, they should sponsor one. this program because I will plug them all day long. Well, we ought to be careful because we all know Disney's listening because Disney owns the whole world now. <laughs> That's true. So. Look, just because they bought Fox doesn't mean they're going to buy BYU TV. I've got a good feeling. No, all right, we'll see. They I don't mean, have an interest in picking up BYU yeah. TV, but well, I mean, I don't know. They might, they might want to turn Dwight and Shining Armin to a violent TV fourteen type show. Who knows? You never know. Anyway, well, I think we can wrap it up uh, there. I would like to thank both of you for uh, spending some time with me. I've, I've loved what we've talked about, especially about your careers, your insights being women in comedy, how we how we reach out to more positive audiences in positive ways. I really, I've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it. We love it. Haley and I talk about comedy and just wanting to make the world a better place and add more good to it and funny things all the time. And we want the opportunity to do that. And I will just say kind of on a final note too, that the way that we can create that and make a space for that is for audiences to want to consume it. So when you see an independent movie, and and you think, oh, that looks funny, then go see it opening weekend. Or if there's a new show and you've heard that it might be funny, watch it because people vote with their remotes and with their movie tickets. And uh, that's the only way that those things and new things um, and interesting things can get out there. So. And if, if I can add an aside, there's rumor that the Department of Justice is going to rescind the old Paramount rule, which uh, prohibits movie studios from owning theaters. And so you're talking about independent oh, sim- yeah. cinema and the value of it. That's something to bear in mind yeah. even more extensively because if the studios control the theaters, then independent cinema will also be on the Ooh. chopping block. So something to bear in mind. Yeah. And it, and it would be a huge loss for us oh, all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Haley, I think you were going to say something before no. I cut you off. No, I, I was said amen to everything that Lisa said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Thank very good. Now, you. before we go, H- Haley, yeah. do you need to like do you need to air any grievances with Lisa? I want to make sure we get this complimentary. Lisa, I'm so sad that we don't get to see each other every day. I know it's the okay, worst just, thing ever. Okay. This is not working for me. <laughs> I'm just so I'm so mad because you're so talented and I feel like if we could work together more often if we weren't so busy trying to convince these teenagers that we know something and that we just care about their futures, then maybe we would have more mental energy to be able to, to, to do more improv together and write yeah. together. And to take on Hollywood. That's what we would do if yeah. we didn't have teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> they take yeah. everything. <laughs> well, first I'd take a nap and then I would take on Hollywood. That's the second. <laughs> right. You heard it here. <laughs> Uh, I believe uh, 
Show Off Season 2 is airing right now. I think it, the season wraps up in December, right? Yeah. Think, I want to you say. can download the, the BYU um, TV app and watch it. And you can stream it all. And then I think Season 3 is going to probably premiere, what, in March or so? I don't have... Yeah, we haven't been given a date yet, but I would imagine sometime in the spring and um yeah our big christmas special is december 9th it's an hour long so it's a supersized show-offs with will forte and other special guests and it uh so gather the family it's around magical. together yeah it's gonna be really fun i'm gonna check that out yeah yeah please do. For sure. thanks, thanks so much for having us thank you Haley smith and lisa valentine clark yeah. it's been a real pleasure and uh, we wish you well and all the success in the world all right. Thanks. Thank you. That's very generous of you. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of you silly monkeys for tuning in and spending this time with us. Uh, it's been a real treat. We hope you all have a terrific week leading into your holiday season. And you'll join us again next week for another edition of This Week in Mormons. I am Jeff. I have spoken. This is the way. <laughs>